Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bible Centered Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. Uh, many people from around the world, many different countries have tuned in, and thank you for the feedback. I know. Uh, that it has been a blessing. Thank you for partnering and joining with me to help the Word of God cross the waters and the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth. Today, I want I want to talk about something uh, that has gripped me and it has been a, a revelation that God has spoken to me and really has helped a lot of people. And we're still in the book of Genesis. Uh, last week we dove into Genesis one and two. Uh, somehow we're in Genesis three and four. I didn't know how I got here, but here we are. Um, I want to talk about a moment in Genesis four where God condemns Cain for killing his brother Abel, and when he decides to kill his brother Abel, God banishes him from the garden and banishes him from civilization, from his mom and dad. He, he just said, you're going to be a fugitive, a vagabond. You're going to roam the earth. And Cain's response was, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He said, listen, I'm going to be a fugitive and a vagabond and that it's going to come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. Genesis 4.15, look what the Lord says. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. We got to ask ourselves, how in the world did we get here in four chapters? God creates the world in Genesis 1 says everything is blessed. It is good. It is good. It is good. Genesis 2, we see the process of him making Adam and Eve. Oh, it's all beautiful. They're in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3, mankind falls. Genesis 4, there's murder. By Genesis 6, God says, I got to kill everything. In six chapters, man's heart was only evil continually, and God had to cause a flood to destroy everything and start over with Noah, uh, him being the eighth person entering into the ark. How did we get here? And we saw the depravity of man and how quickly man downspiraled because of their sin and because of what they did. We saw the rapid pace in which man forfeited paradise with God to now live in fear and insecurity and in sin and even man fearing one another because of the potential of them being harmed. And Cain's story is a very misunderstood story because we don't see what God is doing in his life and what God is doing in humanity. Because you catch a glimpse of God's nature through the life of Cain, in the same way you see it in Genesis 3 through the fall of man. Let's talk about it. 
Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit. They disobeyed God. Sin is just simply disobedience. They did what God said not to do. That's all sin is, disobedience. And after they sin, it's so interesting to me, God's response to their failure. Because the first thing he did was, yes, man now when he works, it's going to be tougher. He's going to sweat a lot more. The ground's not going to yield the same. Yes, uh, a woman's going to have uh, sorrow whenever she has children. Yes, the serpent is condemned and cursed above above all the creatures of the earth uh, to roam around on its belly. Yes, those were great, and you see the consequences of man's sin, but it's very interesting how God in the narrative of Genesis starts showing us and revealing to us glimpses of his mercy. Um, because after they sinned, God gave them the greatest prophecy and the greatest promise in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where he said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God gave them what theologians call the proto-evangelon, the first good news, the type and shadow, the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming through Eve's loins down the lineage to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of Satan. After the greatest mistake, we get a glimpse of mercy. After the greatest failure, we get a seed of faith. And that's powerful to me because in every failure, God puts a seed of restoration where God is able to restore everything that you lost. I'm so thankful for the restorative power of God. But we get a glimpse of mercy in Genesis 3. When man is messing up, he, he's messed up, it's so bad, we get a glimpse of that mercy. Throughout the Old Testament, see, people think that God didn't show mercy until the New Testament uh, with Jesus Christ, but it's not true. You see patterns and threads of mercy all throughout the book of Genesis, the Torah, all throughout the law and the prophets, but that mercy culminates in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But we see little threads of his mercy like we do in Genesis 3.15. But now we get to the point of this podcast with the life of Cain. He kills his brother Abel because God received his brother's sacrifice, but he didn't receive his sacrifice. The Bible says that God received Abel's sacrifice because Abel gave the first of what he had. But Cain, he just offered up whatever. And he expected God to honor his sacrifice the same way he honored Abel's, although Cain didn't give his best. That was God's issue with Cain. Cain approached worship half-heartedly. He approached his relationship with God half-heartedly, yet he expected the same results of somebody that's giving the first. Let us always give our first. Let us always give our best because that's the sacrifice that God has respect to. But he gets mad, and he goes and kills his brother. And when he goes and kills his brother, God says, listen, now you're cursed from the earth. He said, now when you till the ground, it's not going to give you of her strength. You're going to be a fugitive and a vagabond. 
This is the judgment that God gave him. And Cain said, listen, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Says, listen, now anyone that sees me is going to kill me. Because I understand that it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. I understand when people found out what I did, they're going to kill me. But look what God said. He said, listen, whoever tries to kill you, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. God marked Cain with mercy. See, mercy is when God withholds judgment from you. When you deserve judgment, but he holds it back. And so what God said is, Cain, I know you deserve to die, but I am going to mark you with mercy. That yes, you messed up. Yes, you're going to suffer the consequences, but I'm not going to let your enemy get a hold of you. I'm not going to let your enemy destroy you because of your failures, because of your mistake, because of what you did, because of the murder. He said, I'm not going to let the enemy get a hold of you. I'm so thankful that God didn't destroy Cain. He just put a mark on him. And that mark was with mercy. I'm so thankful that I've been marked with mercy. You have been marked with mercy. You should you deserve to die with your sins. You deserve to die with the mistakes that you've made. You deserve to die because of the sins that you have committed in your life. But somehow when the enemy was trying to kill you, when the enemy was trying to destroy you, when the enemy had every right to take your family, God put a mark on you and said, no, that's mine. And yes, I may be disappointed in their actions, but I'm not going to let hell run over their lives. He marked Cain with mercy. Me in my personal life, I was marked with mercy. I remember being in a car wreck with, with no seatbelt on at 18 years old. I wasn't saved. I had no seatbelt on. I was in a car wreck. And I got in a head-on collision going 50 miles per hour. And that car wreck knocked me out of my seat, my head hit the windshield. There was blood on the windshield, cracks all throughout the windshield. My car began to whirl in circles, do a 360. But right there on side of that highway, there was parallel parking and there was a car parked to the left and a car parked to the right. And there was one single open spot in the middle and my car did a 360 and landed perfectly in the open spot in the middle in between the lines without touching either car. I deserve to die, but I'm so thankful God put a mark on me. He marked me with mercy. Why? Because he has a plan for me. See, mercy, see, see, the psalmist said, goodness and mercy shall follow me. But mercy doesn't just follow you. Mercy leads you. See, God puts mercy on us because not just to protect our past, but it's also to lead us into our future. God put his mercy on me because he said, Victor Jackson doesn't know it yet, but he's going to preach my gospel one day. He's going to plant a church in Orlando one day. He's going to have a son named James Asher one day. And, and yes, he deserves to die, but, but I'm putting a mark on him of mercy to protect him because I believe his future is going to be greater than his past. And I define him not by his mistake. I define him by the mark. And Cain's life 
God says, I don't define him by the murder. I define him by the mark. And I do have a problem with his behavior. And I do have a problem with his ways. But I put a mark on him to protect him that no one else gets a hold of him. When you look at his lineage, his lineage, Cain's lineage, when you look at it throughout Genesis 4, none of his lineage remember him by his murder. His lineage only knows him by his mark. Lamech said, listen, I just killed, I accidentally killed someone. And Lamech tells his wives and says, I just killed someone. But he said that if Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 70 and sevenfold. See, Lamech didn't remember him for his murder. He remembered him for the mark. And the mark is greater than the murder. The mark is greater than the mistake. The mark is greater than the mess. God's put a mark on you. That's what that mark was. It was to protect Cain, even while he's serving in judgment, being isolated from his family, being a, a vagabond and a stranger and a fugitive. God put a mark on him to protect them. That way, anyone who saw him, they said, hold on, don't kill him. That's God's possession. That's what hell does when he sees you. He says, oh, I want to take them out, but I can't. I see the mark. I, I want to harm them. I want to I want to harm them, but I can't. They got the mark. That's why the psalmist said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I like to say it in this modern day vernacular, hell can come to your table, but he can't touch what's on the menu. He can come sit at your table, but he's just got to watch you eat. He can't touch it can't touch your food. He can't touch the oil. Why? There's a mark. This is the mark of Cain that God put on him to protect him from anyone that tried to harm him. And God said, Cain, I know you're not perfect, but I'm marking you with my mercy. But why would God do this? This is what this podcast is all about because we got to find the biblical reason on why God would protect them when he, he had every right to take them out and the people had every right to have revenge according to the ancient Near Eastern customs. Why would God protect Cain after this type of mistake? Why would God put a mark on him to protect them? Here's why. is because there's something that would come out of Cain's life that would bless the world. There, there was something that would come out of Cain's life that was critical to the plan of God. There was something that would come out of Cain's life that would bless and still be a blessing to the church of the living God. So God said, if I judge you too early, we miss out on your gift. If I judge you too early, I miss out on the gift that you're going to be to the kingdom. And no, you're not perfect, but there's something coming out of your loins that's going to bless the whole world. What is that thing that came out of Cain? Let's go to the book. Let's go to the Bible. Because when they talk about Cain's lineage, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says, And Lamech took unto him two wives, the name of one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah, and Adah bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jabal. Listen, 
He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. Out of Cain's lineage came the harp. And God said, if I judge you too quickly, the world misses out on the harp. If I judge you for your mistakes now, this is why God is long-suffering. This is why God is patient. He is patient because he is willing to work with us in our frailties. And he marks us with mercy because he knows there's something coming out of us that's going to be a blessing to the world. Out of Cain, if there's no Cain, there's no harp. If God judges Cain, we miss out on the harp. God marked Cain with mercy because there was a harp coming out of his loins. And if there is no Cain, there's no harp. If there's no harp, there's no King David. Because David's entry to the palace was not the giant. It was the harp. Look at it in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 16. Saul is being tormented with demonic spirits. And Saul's servants give him a suggestion. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. If you take Cain away, you got to take the harp away. You take the harp away, you got to take King David away. Because they, Saul said, I'm being tormented with demonic spirits, and they said, go find somebody that can play the harp. And, and King David, David, he could play the harp, and the harp was his entrance to the palace. And whenever he played the harp, the Bible says that the spirits upon Saul would begin to disperse and would begin to leave. It's amazing that God would anoint a harp that came out of a murderer. The harp came out of a marked man. Oh, my Lord. It came out of somebody that was marked with mercy, somebody that you don't think anything good could come out of. God said, there's a harp coming out of you. And this harp is going to give King David access to the palace. See, David was in, had access to the palace before he ever met the giant Goliath. You see, you need a sling for your giant, but you need a harp for your palace. Y'all going to throw me out of here today. Y'all, somebody's about to turn this thing off. I'm getting too excited. I said, you need a sling for your giant, but you need a harp for the, your palace. You need, you need a sling for your adversary, but you need a harp for your destiny. You see, the harp is what led him to the palace, not the giant. He was in the palace before the giant. But the giant, the adversity was a sign that he was the man for the palace. Y'all going to throw me out of here already. The harp gave him entrance to the palace. Where did you get the harp from? Oh, you got to go back to Cain. You got to go back to Cain. This is why God wouldn't allow Cain to be killed. This is why God put a mark on him. Because it's out of that mark that we would get the harp. And it's out of the harp that we would get David. And it's out of the harp and David, here it is, that we would get the Psalms. There is no Psalms without David. And there are no Psalms 
without the harp. The word psalm, it literally means songs played with a harp. You take Cain away, you got to take the psalms away. You take Cain away, you, you got to take, <laughs> you got to take the king away. Because God said, I put a mark on him to show you a glimpse of mercy at what I can do with somebody that doesn't have it all together. He was marked with mercy. What a merciful God. Why would he do this? It doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense to us that God would use somebody like this to be a blessing to the kingdom where David would have them playing the harp all day in the tabernacle around the Ark of the Covenant. And God would allow that is amazing to me. That God would anoint him while he's playing and, and, and anoint a harp that came out of a murderer to dispel spirits. It's, it's beyond me that God would do that. As a matter of fact, in 2 Kings, 2 Kings 3, I believe it is, where the prophet needs a word from God. And as this prophet needs a word from God, he says, listen, I, I need a word from God, but before I get a word from God, I need somebody that can play the harp. Woo. It's in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. He said it this way. He said, listen, I know y'all need a word from me. This is, this is Elisha. He says, but now bring me a minstrel. A minstrel is a harpist. Bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. He said, you need a word? You need a fresh word? Go get me somebody that can play the harp. And as the person played the harp, the hand of God came down. I cannot believe it. Somebody so messed up. A gift comes out, a harp. And that God would anoint this harp where his hand would come and honor somebody playing something that came out of a murderer. Because God said, I don't define him by his murder. I define him by his mark. And God doesn't define you by your mistakes. He defines you by the mark. Your mark is greater than the mistakes. Your mark is greater than the, your failures. Your mark is greater than the trauma. And I'm telling you that if the blood of Jesus can cover somebody that committed a murder, the blood of Jesus can cover you that committed a mistake. I'm so thankful that God's blood can cover all sins. You may be in prison right now because of an offense. You may, you may, you may be... Uh, in prison, in jail because of some mistakes that you've made. I'm so thankful that the mark even extends to everyone. His mercy is everlasting, that it goes to everyone. Those that don't deserve it, no one deserves it. I'm so thankful that his mercy is new every morning. He Every morning he wakes up, you wake up, and he just marks you with mercy. It's amazing. Every person in this world God just puts a mark on them of mercy the harp comes out of Cain that's that's just so interesting to me that every 
stringed instrument in the world finds its origin in Cain's harp. All Every string instrument is a derivative of that harp mentioned in Genesis 4. The guitar, you got to go back to the harp. The bass, you got to go back to the harp. The violin, got to go back to the harp. The, the cello, you got to go back to the harp. All of it finds its origins and beginnings in the harp. Uh, so every, isn't it amazing that every time you hear that play, it's a testament of mercy. Every stringed instrument in the world has to thank Cain. Woo. See, if God wanted to kill you, none of us would be alive today. You wouldn't be alive today. But you're alive, why? Because God's waiting on a harp to come out. He's waiting on a gift to come out. God's not going to judge you because you have something to give the kingdom of God that he wants to bless the world with. You wonder, what's my purpose? You wonder why you're still alive. See, if, if, if God wanted to judge you, no, we wouldn't be alive right now. You wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. You wouldn't even be able to come to church in the morning because of God's judgment. But God says, no, I'm putting mercy on you. I'm holding judgment back because there's a gift that's going to come out of you that's going to bless the world. There's a gift that's going to come out of you that's going to bless the body of Christ. There's a gift that's going to come out of you that's going to bless your future. So I'm saying I'm not going to judge you right now because there's a heart coming out. There's a gift coming out that's going to bless generations. It's coming out of somebody that's marked. A man that has been marked with mercy. A woman that has been marked with mercy. I know you don't deserve it. But I'm telling you, stop looking at the murder and start looking for the harp. Stop looking at your mistake and start looking for the promise that's going to come out of you. Because you're defined by the promise. You're not defined by the mistake. You're defined by the harp. You're not defined by the murder. You're not defined by what happened in the past. There's a harp coming out of you. I said there's a song coming out of you. There's a melody coming out of you. Stop looking at the mistake and start looking for the melody. You're going to find your gift because you have been marked by his mercy. And so, and so this harp comes out of this marked man, marked with mercy. God wouldn't let anyone destroy him, although he deserved it. He withheld judgment. It's powerful. You take away Cain, you've got to take away David. You take away David, you got to take away the Psalms. You take away David and the Psalms, you got to take away the Messiah. Are you getting it? All of that, those harps that came out of the loins of Cain, and God's still using it to bless the church to this day. Now, it's amazing that not only would God bless somebody that that makes a mistake and puts his mercy on somebody that doesn't deserve it. What, what makes, what, what makes this even more amazing to me is God's instructions for worship and in Psalm chapter 150. God gives us instructions on how to get his presence down. He said, if you want my presence to come down, this is what you do. And this is what you need. Psalm 150 and verse 1 
through three. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. God says, if you want to know how to get my presence down, go find me a harp. Oh, my. Go find me a harp. Each time a string instrument is played, it is a testament and a testimony. Mercy's here. Mercy's nearby. Where did the harp come from? It came out of a man in Genesis 4, Cain, who, who, who in anger slew his brother. Uh, and, and disobedience killed somebody. Well, 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 why would God bring a harp out of somebody like that? Well, well, God showed us a glimpse of his mercy. He marked him with mercy, and a gift came out of a marked man. A gift came out of a marked man. He was marked with mercy. When you look at the thread of, of mercy, and when you look at it all throughout the Old Testament, the little glimpses of it. See, you can find mercy in peculiar places because the Bible says it this way. And it says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, and things like that. What God was doing, he was giving laws of retribution. But even in those laws of retribution, you see a glimpse of mercy. I said, even in the laws of retribution, you see a glimpse of God's mercy. Because what did he say? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What God was doing is he was putting restraint on man's vengeance. He said, if someone knocks your eye out, you can't take their life. If someone knocks your tooth out, you can't take their life. You can only judge them according to the it's a measure of the offense. You cannot go beyond those boundaries. Whew, are you getting the mercy there? That if a man wanted to make a judgment, wanted to get retribution, he couldn't go beyond. In our modern day vernacular, it's like if someone scratches your car with the key, you can't go and kill them or, or total their car because of it. He said, if you want vengeance, you go mark their car as well with the key. You see that? He puts a restraint on the, on the sinful nature of humanity. You see a glimpse of mercy even in those strong laws of the Old Testament. You see it with Cain. Next time I'm going to talk to you even how you see it with these other characters like Lot. And I'm going to say this before we get out of here because I want to see how God marks people with mercy that we don't expect him to mark with mercy. He marks Lot with mercy as well because Lot, how he messed up and how he went to Sodom and Gomorrah and how he messed up yet in the New Testament, the Bible calls Lot righteous and just. It says just Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. How, how is someone just and how is someone just like Lot? How, how, why would you say that about Lot? He doesn't deserve any of that. And Lot, we see 
what happened with him in the cave and his daughters. And he has Moab and Ammon. And it's interesting that when you look at the lineage of Jesus, that in the lineage of Jesus, there's a woman by the name of Ruth who was a Moabite. Ruth is a descendant of Moab. Lot is in the lineage just like Abraham is. He was a marked man. Ruth was a Moabite, a descendant of Lot. And somehow she becomes in the lineage of King David. Somehow she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We would want to throw Lot away with the bad decisions he made with his family, with things that he did in his past. We would want to throw Lot away, but he was a marked man. And Abraham and Lot, they're both in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Ruth, the Moabite. There's a harp coming out of this. There's a song coming out of this. You're not defined by what happened. You're not defined by what you did. Something is coming out of it that's going to be a blessing to the world. God can redeem it. God can redeem it. Anytime you hear the word deem, it's an intention. It's what kings did. Kings deemed land to people. This is what I intend for you. This is what I intend for you. This, that's what a word deem means. It's an intention. This, I deem this to you. I deem this land. I deem this house. I deem this to you. God had a deem for man. I deem blessing. I deem fruitfulness. I deem multiplication. God had a deem for mankind. But Satan came to mess with the deem. And because Satan messed with the deem, God robed him flesh to redeem. He reissues the original deem, but this one can't be messed with because it's sealed with his blood. It's sealed with his spirit. That's what it means to be redeemed. The mark is greater than the mistake. What's ahead of you is greater than what is behind you. Stop looking behind you and start looking forward. If God can mark a man like Cain with mercy, if God can mark a man like Lot with mercy, what can God do for you? You have been marked with mercy. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you could come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.